today. The White House is considering unilateral action on the coronavirus relief bill. We'll have the latest on that. Also the latest on what's going on in Portland. And President Trump is now okay with Microsoft buying TikTok. We've got a lot coming up and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Happy Monday. I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Today joined by um, hashtag couple goals, if I could just <laughs> say that. Uh, we've got Elijah Schaefer in the house, host of uh, Blaze TV's Slightly Offensive. And yes. It's not just slightly offensive. No, you know, and I'm actually, I'm actually genuinely happy to be here. I think I have... I, as, as opposed to all the other times you were not happy to be here. <laughs> well, at least you're in a good, a good mood this time. No, but I, no, I genuinely, genuinely... Uh, been in a lot of danger. I know we're going to get into that, but I'm like, yeah. it's just nice to be in a studio where people are not trying to kill you. Yeah. Well, I mean, as of right now, who knows what you're going to say that's going to piss us off. But uh, we're also joined by his lovely wife. But there's a lot more to her than that. Kez Schaefer. She is a host of Crocs on on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to that. And that is Crocs with a K. Did I get all of that right? Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks yes. for having me on. Yeah. Sarah. Thank you for being here. It's something that uh, we've been talking about doing for yeah. a while. Yeah. So uh, glad to finally have you in studio on the show. Um, let's go over some of the... Uh, I do want to get to Portland, um, but let's go over uh, a couple other things before we get to Portland. And I say I want to get to Portland because this is the Portland guy. This is, we, you know, like people are like, I have a guy for that. We have a guy here at Blaze TV for what's going on in Portland and Seattle. And uh, it wasn't it's true, though. You know, it's kind of like being a, like a, a like a STD expert or something. It's like <laughs> you're glad they exist. But you being the expert and what you have to see, it's like, well, it's not fun to be that guy. Yeah. I mean, because it, it turns out all of us like none of us are crazy <laughs> enough to actually go there on the ground when all of these crazy things are happening. And that's why we have Elijah for that yeah. instead. So. Yeah, I'm here to do the physicals and see what no man should should want to or ever see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, let's talk first about the uh, want to get your thoughts on President Trump. He is reportedly considering, quote, unilateral action on a coronavirus relief package. Now, uh, Democrats and Republicans in the in Congress have kind of gone back and forth on negotiations. Apparently, negotiations have stalled largely over how much the next bill should give in supplemental unemployment benefits. So we saw, uh, you know, Stephen Mnuchin come out over the weekend and talk about how, you know, you don't want to give too much in unemployment benefits because we're finding that it's kind of a motivating factor, it turns out, for people to not go back to work if they are receiving enough from unemployment benefits to make it uh, worth their while to just sit their butts at home. Uh, but, of course, the Democrats, you know, can, they can never wait to, uh, to, to make Republicans look uncaring, heartless, uh, like they don't care about the little person. And so the bill is stalling. Uh, so President Trump is is considering unilateral action. What are your thoughts on that, Elijah? And how how much longer do we continue spending our our children's 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 money uh, for this particular virus? Yeah, I think I really hate when I hear not only that Congress is stalling because uh, that's something I'm used to, but it also makes me sad, too, that, you know, you have this executive action coming in because the ultimate foundation is, is that 
we should stop relying on the government to give us handouts to, to keep going. I know personally, um, I have a friend back in, in Los Angeles who worked part-time at the Youth Men's Christian Association, the YMCA, who suddenly started getting $2,400 a month. And they didn't work there for more than like 60 days. And what did they do with the money? They're buying weed yeah. and selling weed yeah. and uh, buying a lot of alcohol and things. And you're going, look, and this person was upset that their unemployment was going to run out. Um, and they were, they were, they didn't want to go back to work. And that's what I saw with a lot of young people or people that were working part time. So I understand the fact that the Republicans don't want to make, you know, unemployment a, a, a benefiting factor to people. They want it to be something supplemental. But also, I, I, I just think that we've got to open up the economy because it's like, who cares what your opinions are, less or more money? How about no money? How about just letting people get back to their jobs, to their life and, and let them do what they want to do, which is actually work for their money? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Kaz, what are your thoughts? I just think, I think the whole thing's like totally get like, oh, you don't want incentive to not work and right. incentive to sit at home. But also I think like 600 bucks a, a week is not going to feed people who actually want to be out there, who have families, all sorts of things. It's not going to feed their families. It's not going to pay their bills. It's not going to pay car insurance, all those things that people have expenses every day. And the thing is, is Australia copycats everything that the U.S. does. Mm. And so we're seeing it happening in, in Australia. And I think in the state of Victoria, they just said now people, only one person from a household can go out shopping a day. And it has to be a five kilometer radius. I don't know what that translates to U.S. In miles. Measurements, yeah. Something. We don't, we don't use kilometers. It's not very far. So you've got a small radius and we've got a lot of people who live pretty far away and like yeah. Australia is a big country right. where five kilometers you can't get to a store. So it's totally ridiculous. So and you said oh, but only one person per household is Can allowed go to out. go. So how yeah. do they how do you police that? How do you, you enforce that? You can't police that. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. And, but the, and who's going to But they do have COVID-19 right. do, do you get a stamp? Teams. They actually do have enforcement teams that wear vests and go around and, and do COVID-19 enforcement. But it's the same thing. I mean There's it, also a culture of snitching now. Like there's like <laughs> phone numbers of like oh if you too. see such and such out or blah, blah, blah. And people are now snitching on their neighbors. Oh, they were out with their kids or they took them to the park mm -hmm. or something like that. And you're going, what is this culture that we're breeding in the world right now? Yeah. Yeah, it is scary. Um, well, also, how do you reconcile the fact that these are federal benefits, right? They're federal benefits, but it's up to each state what they want to do. Some states are, you know, South Dakota, Christy Nome, who I have a total girl crush on, by the way. Yeah, I can uh, say that, too. I have a political crush on her. Yes, she's amazing. She's married, though. Well, that's okay. I know, I know, but we can both have a crush. Yeah, yeah. It's a, well, I mean, your wife's right here. So she have a, she has a crush on her. Too. Yeah, it's okay, fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, but um, you know, you've got states like South Dakota who refuse to close down, uh, who refuse to do the mask mandates, and then you've got other places like California, you know, who have done a very huge mask mandate, who have been very reluctant to open up businesses. So it does put the federal government kind of in a sticky situation because they're not the ones necessarily who are advocating for all of these states to shut down, mm -hmm. yet when it comes to having to pay out the dollars for the people who are stuck at home, it falls on them. Yeah, and I think this is where people get confused about, about this unilateral action. It's at, and this is where I sometimes have a problem with Trump using executive orders or trying to step in to make up for where states are lacking. Because what states do is, this is a real tricky political move ahead of the election, is they point to the fact that, oh, look, America is so messed up. People are not handling this crisis correctly. Look at compared to Europe or these other uh, federalist nations, how we are you know, somehow lacking or we are uh, unprepared and Trump messed up the country. No. 
The reason why it's so messy in the United States, the, the approach, is because we are a, a union mm -hmm. and we do allow the states to have their own individual plan and approach. We don't have executive action just coming over and mandating what every state does. And what's funny is, is that while complaining about how Trump has handled this and how he hasn't given enough money or the federal government, look at the states that are blaming him. They're the ones that are the hardest hit and majority of them are Democrat run mm -hmm. and the cities are Democrat leadership almost, almost unilaterally using their own language. And so it's like, they have messed up their own states. They're the ones who have the issues and the problems. And then they come to Trump and say, Trump, why don't you fix this for us? Mm -hmm. And it's like, since when did the federal government become the answer to the states? I thought the whole thing was, we don't like Trump. We don't mm -hmm. like, we don't, we think he's an authoritarian. He's a fascist. He should back out of our lives. He should stop telling us what to do. But then all of a sudden, when we need money because we burned down our cities, or we need money because we didn't handle the COVID crisis properly, all of a sudden we're looking to him to bail us out. It's kind of like the whole idea of like getting mad at a divorce, you know, your parents divorce and then you get mad at one, but then you ask them to pay for your college. It's like, well, do you love or do you hate your parent? You know? Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, I want to bring up something else that, that is going on that President Trump is getting hit hard for. You know, Elijah, you brought up the uh, whole Trump is a fascist thing. Uh, it, President Trump, at the end of next week, came out, I don't think that we covered it on the show last week, came out, said that he was just going to ban TikTok. That is, is just like, buy TikTok. I, we don't, there's too much going on with could China. Be the cure for COVID. It, it could be. There's too much going we on thought, with China. We thought racism was the cure, like <laughs> riding in racism. Not almost. It we almost was. But who knows? We've got to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, but Kaz, do you, you have a TikTok, right? Okay. I almost got famous on TikTok. <laughs> I made I made a TikTok with my hamster and it went pretty viral. And then the hamster is really cute. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you made, that's it, you made it seem like it you, were, you were killing the hamster. You have to explain it. I made a couple. It was like um, he has like a ball and he rolls around in his ball. And I filmed him like rolling in his ball and I took him out and put like an acorn in the ball. And my sister kicked the ball and I was screaming like, no, my hamster. Like, Not things just like kicked that. it, like smashed the ball. Like, down the walkway till it looked like you just killed the hamster. Yeah, and this okay. probably, okay, don't make it sound like I'm a really violent person. <laughs> no, but it was a it trick. Was it was a trick Well, shot. right, it, it was, was just, just a joke. That, that movie magic. People on TikTok like disgusting, <laughs> terrible things, and that's that's actually a good yeah. point. Yeah, but then the only followers I got were like little kids that were obsessed with hamsters, so <laughs> if I didn't make a TikTok about my hamster, it went nowhere. So I tried. So okay. well, rather than either of you have gotten, so. I mean, that's fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, so President Trump, of course, gave his his verbal approval to a deal between TikTok and Microsoft. So he came out and said he's going to ban the company uh, September 15th. And then, but unless Microsoft comes in and acquires it and I guess saves the day for all of these teenagers on TikTok who want to remain TikTok famous. Um, it is interesting though, Elijah, because, uh, you know, you've got all of these people who are up in arms that President Trump is talking about banning TikTok, which I think he probably has a legitimate, you know, reason to be uh, concerned with it. Yet uh, churches are shut down. Uh, you know, all of these other things are shut down and uh, we're banning people from going to church service and no one seems to bat an eyelash. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, my only my biggest concern with TikTok is that it's made fat people too confident. But that's <laughs> it's, that's it's made a lot of yeah, things. Wait. Did I mention he's the host of Slightly <laughs> Offensive listen, on Elise TV? Listen, no, no, I, I'm just I'm just being facetious because, you know, TikTok has a number of problems. I mean, number one, I think they're the first social media app that's been openly caught uh 
censoring people for being ugly and deformed, which is a whole other disabilities Did rights they really? issue. Yes, because they there was a lot of upvotes of really odd-looking people with deformities, and so they specifically started going into accounts of people that were getting upvoted that they could thought were because they were ugly, and then we're we're shadow banning them, and they got caught specifically targeting people with disabilities and shadow banning them. There's a whole lawsuit there. They also had a lawsuit um, specifically for not addressing uh, pedophilia and targeting of children. That. that was an open you know state lawsuit. So, I mean, you're talking about targeting sexually, sexual misconduct with children, um, you know, censoring people for having disabilities they can't prevent. I mean, this is obviously not the best company, doesn't share American values. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, you know, I'm going to be honest here. I think people think that, you know, we're banning this because of security concerns. I don't buy it. I think this is just a simple federal slap in the face back to China to say, you're not going to have influence here. I don't think they really believe the government's stealing our data. I think it's an excuse, like we do anything political, to where it's like, look, you China, you want to do this? We can take your most famous, innocuous brand in our country and we can just end it today mm -hmm. and and that's what i think it really is or also too if they, they do sell it to microsoft then good that's how american enterprise should work american companies should be running american enterprise mm -hmm. this whole globalization having china with all this influence in hollywood etc it is mm -hmm. dangerous mm -hmm. and but i mean microsoft owning it i mean it's not like bill gates and microsoft don't have their own problems right now that we need to worry about you know with this whole i'm not gonna get into that but you know but i i, I will just say this i i think it's a good thing it shows that the pressure is on i think it's such a good precedent for other companies to shape up start and have china stop investing in this country in a way that's disingenuous and actually yeah. benefits the communist party instead of american enterprise yeah kaz yeah. i'll give you a last word on this i think I agree everything with Elijah said. I think at the end of the day, the kids are going to be totally fine. There was Vine, Musical.ly, TikTok. Mm. There's going to be another one. They're going to be fine. Yeah. Don't worry about the kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also, like, don't worry about the kids it's like, with their apps. Yeah. Right? Like, they, I think that's a, a, where a lot of their problems actually start. Yeah. Is on the phone with the apps. So yeah. maybe don't be too concerned if we're taking some apps away that cause the problems for the kids. Uh, all right, we've got a lot more to get into. First, we want to thank our sponsor this segment, Omega XL. So if you are one of millions of Americans who you just live in pain and maybe you've reached the age where like, you just wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, my back, I threw my back out. What'd you do? I, I don't know. I slept. I woke up. I rolled out of bed the wrong way. I don't know what it is. Uh, but what you don't know is that you usually the underlying cause of your pain is likely inflammation. So you have to actually treat the root cause of the inflammation, or it turns out it can cause permanent damage to your body. Now, this is where Omega XL comes in. So it's not a topical cream. It's not like a little pain reliever that you uh, take, and then it masks your symptoms for four to six hours, and then you have to take another one, uh, or you rub it on and it gets really hot or cold, and you're like, oh, that feels great for 20 minutes, and then it goes away. Omega XL actually neutralizes the inflammation that causes painful, stiff joints and muscles. So if you are suffering from that, there is an easier way. All right, let's get you started. Order Omega XL right now. You will get a second bottle for free. All you have to do is go to omegaxl.com slash news. That is omegaxl.com slash news. Order a bottle and get the second one for free. Do not continue living in pain. You don't have to. There's another way. Omegaxl.com news. All right, uh, we have a couple stories on Portland today. Now, over the weekend, uh, apparently there were 150 shots fired and high-powered lasers deployed by Portland protesters as the federal troops began to withdraw. 
And also, uh, there was video of protesters burning Bibles, but then I heard that, like, that there was a Russian company behind that video. So I don't know. It's all very confusing. You never know if what you're getting in the mainstream media is, in fact, the correct uh, story. So we have our Portland expert, Elijah Schaefer, here to tell us what is the latest in Portland. Yeah, you know, considering the fact that I get called a Russian asset, uh, sometimes I wish it were true, though, because I'm, I'm pretty sure they have a lot of money for well, that you, kind you, of stuff. You'd get paid a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be here. But I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, if I was a Russian asset, I'd be, in, I'd be in the Cayman Islands or something right now hanging out. But realistically speaking, you know, I, basically what happens in Portland is the footage you see is real of what's going on. It is not um, paid instigators. This is not random individuals. Uh, this is coordinated efforts of people creating mayhem, uh, conducting acts of terrorism. And then once the footage goes live, the real the real disinformation are American journalists and media who then just, with no evidence, lie and say, this is Russian assets, these are Russian-backed videos, these are edited, these are this and that. And they're not even there, by the way. Um, so I want to clarify that, that what you see in Portland is true. It's not a right-wing conspiracy like a lot of people like to say. The only right-wing conspiracy is, is that it's true. There aren't left-wing media individuals there. Um, they're just not there. It's not that our, our video conflicts with theirs. Their video is absent. Um, but that being said, I, I watch, I've seen people. There was a guy passing out Bibles. I think those were the Bibles of a guy passing them out. People did take the Bibles. They did rip them up. They were not paid by Russia. I didn't see any Russian flags. And for the most part, this is some of the least of the violence. Uh, people in Portland are militantly, uh, they're militantly fighting the establishment, uh, they're not Democrat, they're not Republican. It's very important to make that distinction. These are not far-left Democrats. These are anarchists. Um, and Black Lives Matter it operates, it's a, it's a Marxist organization. It's not a Democrat organization. They fundraise for Democrats, but they're a Marxist organization. And uh, unfortunately, their mayor, Ted Wheeler, is a police commissioner, and he shares uh, authority with the police chief, who they've gone through three of them already this year. And uh, because of him and the city council's uh, ability to have so much power over law enforcement, they have restricted them from doing their jobs. And what we're seeing in Portland is what happens when the police are not only defunded, but when they're not able to enforce law and order. So what you're telling me is that when the New York Times uh, writer Nicholas Kristof said on Sunday that peace had broken out, in Portland, that the that is had not broken. Yeah, because usually when you see peace happen, Stop. it's like a breakout of peace. Like woohoo! Yeah, it's just a total breakout of peace. It's not like a <laughs> just a calm. People were breaking out their pieces. I'll tell you that. You know, <laughs> maybe that's they what he smoked, meant. They were smoking something. Oh maybe that's what he meant. I mean, a breakout God. of peace. I mean, I mean, look. No, there was not a break. There's not been a breakout of peace. There's been an unlawful assembly almost every night. If you follow Portland PD, I, I mean, what you're seeing out there is not just law. You're really truly seeing the facilitation of something that that is goes beyond understanding in American culture and society. It should not be allowed. It shouldn't be tolerated. These are not nightly activities. This is not just uh, demonstrations. These are people that are out there to destroy property, to uh, violently retaliate against those who are following the law, and to target people who are trying to expose them. Mm. And I mean, if you know some of this footage that you see, these are not peaceful protesters breaking out in a peaceful you know, rant. But you saw this, I mean, with the religion of peace, right? When, when around the time extremists were beheading people in Syria, everyone was saying, these are, it's a peaceful religion. There is an absolute disinformation campaign to call good evil and evil good and to call violence peace and peace violence. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, hey. Kaz, what are your thoughts? And how do you deal with this guy going to be on the ground? You know there? what? I can't. I can't live my life in fear because otherwise yeah. I just totally would be because, you know, Elijah, like, 
if there's like people like shooting, he's not going to be like, whoa, he's going to be like, he goes straight for it. <laughs> exactly. And I'll tell We're you, in blaze media gear, by I, the way, <laughs> I know it, I just have to just go, whatever. I just have to, I can't yeah. stress about it. Yeah. But when Elijah gets home, it really is like he comes back from a war zone. Like he's so out of it. And he's so this, you'll see his like legs are like shot to pieces and bruises. When I unpack his bags, I am like, choking. I have to leave because there's so much tear gas on all the clothes that I'm like crying and I can't breathe. I, I actually have to wear a mask. That's the only no. time it's ever come in here. And I'm going <coughs> in the house and it smoked up the whole house and I had to just soak everything and wash everything for like a whole day to get all the tea. Like it's it's really bad and I'm I'm not there with him but when I see when he comes home and I see his body is broken, his mind is broken, his clothes, like, it, it, I just go, this man has just been in battle. And he just, it, I, he just lays in bed. I have to put a cold room, turn off all the lights, put, like, calming music. And he goes, <laughs> rocking in the corner. <laughs> oh, close. No, close. But, they, you know, but I was saying earlier, like, they actually cracked my shin this time. I, I broke yeah, a few bones. And they did. And well, it, I saw when you were in your hotel room, you did an Instagram live. And, you, and he kind of, he was, like, yeah. my eyes, yeah. my eyes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's just so weird what, what, what is going on is that we're out there and we're showing this stuff and no matter what happens, this is why I've been working with a lot of journalists and I'm looking to even maybe, I don't know, start a new department here with working with more people on the field to get the truth out yeah. because the fact is is that there's just not enough people on the ground and that's yeah. to encourage people watching this. If you have a phone, you are a journalist. Mm -hmm. If you, I mean, and I mean that because uh, because if you can capture the truth and get it online. And the mainstream media isn't doing it. Right. They're, They're not, not in the front lines. Right. They're not catching all this footage. It's Elijah mm -hmm. and these other people who are out there really risking their life because they believe in the truth. Yeah. And I think in the same way, like the Antifa, like, you know how ISIS, there was this whole thing, like how is this ISIS getting so many young men, recruiting them to come overseas and fight for ISIS? Yes. And I think because there is something in, like, in men built in them that they want to fight for something, they want to be the hero and things like that. And all these little scraggly Antifa guys who look like they've been really rejected by people, by society, women, all this sort of stuff, they really think they're fighting Nazis and they feel like a hero when they get out there, they're with their gang, it's like a, their squad, and they think yeah. they're in battle. And so Antifa's good them, at recruiting. It gives them purpose. Yes, yeah. and they're like these outcast people who now have a purpose, they have a group, they have a community, and they feel like heroes. Yeah. Which is very scary yeah. to think about. Uh, as of right now, Elijah, or last time you went, when, when did you get back? I don't, I don't know. I, I flew. I, look, I was at a riot and it all I went directly together. to the airport. Flew to DC to cover the HCQ thing, and then like so I didn't. I, okay, I just hadn't slept for like ten days. So I think I got back. Was it Saturday or when was it? Friday? When did I? When did I get I back? I think Friday. <laughs> oh, Friday. Actually, actually, actually. Yeah, I like it. I like it go. because uh, because they even they would even want to call in Glenn Beck. They're like, "Were you hung over?" And I go, "No, that's not hung over. That's called getting gassed." <laughs> for like it's a week PTSD. straight. And then they're like, well, well, why'd you sound so tired? You're like, I went to bed at seven in the morning and I, my hit was at 9.30. That, that's worse. I wish I was hung over. At least I could like have a, I could have an had excuse. A, you had know? a good time the night Yeah, before. at least I had a good time. This, this is me just sitting in bed with like wounds, just trying to fall asleep and right. take enough Advil. But like, that's literally, I don't even, it all blends together. It's well, crazy. Okay. So the, the last time that you were in this area, was it more Antifa people or is it more Black Lives Matter people right now? Because I know that there was a time where they were just kind of sort of coexisting. 
uh, just to cause chaos. And I'm wondering yeah, how it's shaking out. I mean, terrorist organizations are all pretty much the same. And I, I mean that realistically. Join in on the chaos. Yeah, I think there's a lot of instigators. I mean, there's a lot of people there who were from out of town um, who you have to realize Black Bloc is more of a movement than it's an organization. And Black Lives Matter has become more of a movement than an organization, too. I mean, it's not like these things are facilitated by some higher up. I mean, it's just like there becomes a center of action. Groups come in. They influence. They provide things. I mean, you don't have to really do too much organization with these people. There's, these are some of the most uh, despotic people in society and, and some of the most tragically disenfranchised coming together with, with a sole purpose. But all it really is is, is anarchy for black lives, so mm -hmm. black lives anarchy. Um, and there was probably about like eight black people there and like 5,890 white people. I mean, really, it's true. But of course, they have the black people at the front of these things okay. to, to be in front of the cameras and okay. the moms and the veterans. Yes, okay, mm -hmm. so even in our uh, you know sleepy suburb where we live, we were going to, we were coming back from Target and there was a little protest on the street corner in this little suburb, uh, and we're and I'm, we're like, oh, what is this protest? We have to turn around. So we turned around and went and looked, and it was the white people holding the signs, the black people on the megaphones. Right. There were like two black people; they both had the megaphones. The white people were like holding their signs as penance, I guess, uh, and that said, "Black trans lives matter." Uh, ignorance is not an excuse mm. and they were just yelling at everyone and so I rolled down my window and I was recording it and they started yelling at us and so my husband turned and he said all lives matter back to them because oh they kept saying black lives matter and so, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah he's he's he doesn't do what you do so he doesn't realize and so then of course they started yelling at him that he was a white supremacist and, you know, I'm like, didn't, didn't you know he was a white supremacist before you married him? I know. I'm like, well, that's weird because he's married to a Latina. So it's hard to. And they said, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. <laughs> he could be a misogynist as well. It's true. He likes putting you in subversion. Yeah. You know? It's true. But that's not the only. I saw another video on Twitter. I think it was a suburb in Georgia where it was the same deal. It was these Black Lives Matter protesters. They had the megaphones. They went up to some, you know, uh, shopping center where people were eating on the on the patio and started yelling at all of the people who were eating. That, but that's and, and you know what? And I, I got to just be real here about this stuff like from being there in person, you know, per mentioning earlier, you, you can tell me all you want in the media about who's doing what or who's behind, you know, what organization. But when you're there, you know exactly what's going on, especially when you have a team out there and you're investigating. And what it really is, is a lot of this stuff is a photo op. And the groups know, one, one of the, one of the uh, black guys on the microphone was saying, you know, this is a propaganda campaign and the propaganda is, and we're winning. It's on our side. And they know that. And they know that, that it, it is propaganda. So they're really smart because, you know, like they have this wall of moms in Portland. If yes. people aren't familiar with it. Yes. So, so wall of Karens, it should yes. be called. So when you deconstruct <laughs> it, when you deconstruct it, you go, the craziest people I've ever met in my life were my friends' moms. So, so like, <laughs> like literally, there's nobody in the world well, I've seen. It's like the moms of the, of the crazy people who are out in the streets. But wow, what a surprise! What they turned though. out like that. But that's what I'm saying. Though, is yeah. like, is like, like, I mean, I mean, you could say some of the best people you know are moms too. But moms, I don't. It's not like moms are inherently good. Like right. having a kid doesn't make you a good person. I mean, what do you think we have? Like foster homes and different things because people mm. aren't aren't capable of actually parenting. On top of that, they have a wall of veterans, and I'm like, well, I'm grateful for our veterans. 
some of the highest victims of suicide, of homelessness, et cetera, mm -hmm. are veterans. It's not like all veterans are stable, good people. Then they have a wall of dads. And it's like, I thought we were just talking about misogyny and, and spousal abuse and things like, how is this uh, the proper representation? And then they go, well, black people are speaking, so they're inherently good. And I go, the black community has a whole hellhole of problems mm -hmm. with violence and, and problems with poverty and things. Black people aren't inherently good. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, you're just using this facade to try to represent what the movement really is. And it's a destructive, terroristic, anti-authority, not authoritarian, anti-authority plot that's anti-American. Yeah. And, 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 and the media eats it up. They're propagandists for these campaigns because they hate the United States. And you really do watch the media. It, it makes me sad, Sarah. It really does. I, I watch the media out there and, and I see what they film. I see how they report. And I go, they're just lying to the people. Mm -hmm. And then I get it, and, and people like uh, Drew from, from Lives Matter, or, or Kaylin from Scriber, or George Ventura, Richie Shelby, great journalist from Daily Caller. These are all incredible people out there corroborating with this, sometimes seven angles of the same footage of a Molotov cocktail being thrown. And then still the media says, it was a reverse bounce flashbang. And you go, <laughs> we have seven angles, seven angles of a Molotov cocktail. Yet the media says that seven angles are all Russian assets. How are we all Russian assets? We don't even live in the same state. You know, we're in California, DC, uh, Texas, and somehow we are all collusion, but you're one angle and you're one narrative because you're accepted. You're the real news. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. Kaz, uh, last word on this. So you have some, I feel like, uh, important cultural perspective because you were not born and raised in America. You right. didn't. You don't live in this bubble. So, what is your view on how all of these all of these people are acting, uh, just coming from outside the mm -hmm. American bubble? It's it's really sad. I grew. Up, my parents were missionaries in East Africa, so I grew up there. I was the only Australian family, the only whatever. But all the my teachers were American. My friends were other missionaries. Everyone that I knew in in. Africa were Americans. Mm -hmm. And my favorite thing about Americans was that they loved America like nothing else. Like they were like, America's the best. And they always flying their flags and they had Thanksgiving and Fourth of July and all these things and a holiday for everything. And they loved their country. And in Australia, if you, you don't see people flying their flags because it's racist. Mm. Like, it, we don't have the same love for our country like Americans do. Like, of course, we love, we love our country, but America, just take it to the next level. And so I always wanted to go to America. I always wanted to live in America. Every time I came to visit, I just loved it. Obviously, I married an American man. And now I live here and I love America. And when I see Americans burning their flag and do these things, I go, it's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad because that was the thing that I was like, these people love their country. Like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be an American. Like, I, I, it so drew me in. And then I come here and the people are just like, rah, rah, and you just go, it's sad. It, it is. It's funny, too, because some of the the immigrants that I know are more patriotic oh, yeah. than any of these yahoos that you yeah. see on TV. And I don't, I don't, I come from a good country. Like, Australia is, yeah. like, well off. Like, there are people who have so much more opportunity to come to America and want to like immigrants from lower countries or whatever that came out wrong, but you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> but, but, but we'll say I, below, below the equator right. or something, hey, lower, lower on, the, lower on the sphere. I mean, you didn't go full President Trump, right. so it's fine. I just, whatever. Some, of, some of them are Everyone people. knows what I mean. <laughs> I guess. But, uh, but coming from Australia, which is really a wonderful country, 
I love America more. Yeah, you're just, well, you're just I saying love it's it. not a third world country. Yes. You had everything there you, you needed there. Sarah said it. <laughs> We all know what she meant. Yes. I'm married to a white yes. yes. It's true. It's true. All right. Back in a minute. No, I totally don't cheat. It's like, you, I, I wasn't worried about, like, feeding my family yeah. for their next meal. I wasn't being over my I feel like this is a good this is a good transition into this next story. Democratic state rep uh, LaShawn Ford in in Illinois <laughs> says that uh, history classes in public schools in Illinois lead to quote white privilege and a racist society. And you got to just let's just in, end them. Let's just uh, no more history until we can figure out a way to uh, bring in a curriculum that incorporates more uh, minorities and women. Even if it's, that, it's just not history, that's fine. Here's what, uh, what he had to say, watch. I'm calling for the abolishment of history classes in Illinois. We're concerned that current school history teachings lead to white privilege. I mean, <laughs> it's just, we're burning books and we're calling for uh, history to be rewritten. And I just feel like George Orwell is like, I freaking told you guys all of these things were going to happen. I was just wrong on the date. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I let's give this guy some ammo here. Like, I get probably where he's coming from in terms of like Do why. You? Yeah, because I, I get what I get what he's what he's making a bold statement based off the fact that the reason why our history curriculum across America was written was to, to sort of bring in this patriotic idea originally, right? This is like in the 40s and, and 50s was designed to cause kids to love their country, want to serve the country and respect it. And that being said, it intentionally overlooked uh, certain events in our history as well as painted people uh, in certain lights to not look at the, the holistic part of who they were. But I'm okay with that because um, I'm okay with that because in, in a country, when you look at history, it's like you're only in there for a few years. And, you know, if you want to go look at and pick apart history in college and look apart about what is remembered, what's the point of history? A country has to to decide that. What are, why are we teaching our kids the history? Well, we're teaching them about to be grateful for this country and to come in here. And I think that that's important. That's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like if we designed our curriculum to teach kids to love this country, if we were lying to them and said, no, we, there was no atrocities, no right. people. I mean, I learned, in high school and junior high and elementary, I learned about the Trail of Tears and things yeah. that occurred and the way that we had uh, different genocides of different uh, in, indigenous, well, I'd say in their words, indigenous groups, et cetera, mm -hmm. or the way you know Andrew Jackson or people were unfair to the Spanish. I mean, we learned about that. Mm -hmm. But it was saying, but ultimately, in the end, good prevailed, and this right. country has overcome many hardships. And I'm okay with history staying that way, but to abolish it, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happens, but it's a tragedy if it does. Yeah, yeah. I think... I think there's like an attitude, like Elijah was saying, like the history going along, like teaching people to love their country. And I do think that's good because if people love their country, their heart will break when they see racism and they see these things and they, you know, they want to get out there and be a police officer or be a politician and make change. And they want to be a part of it because they love it. But if you teach them to hate their country or like, look how, you know, all these things you did, well, what makes you think they're going to want to make a, a change for the difference? Because they hate their country. Mm -hmm. Why? And you see these young kids going into university, and it, I mean, if they learn to like their country in high school, they certainly learn to hate it in university. Yeah. And they come out, and they're burning down the buildings, they're burning the flag, even Bibles, all these types of things. 
and they're violent. They're the worst people. They are the worst people of society. And it and it's affecting everybody. Mm. Everyone gets affected. Their cities get burned down. Minorities, businesses get closed. All this sort of stuff. So there's not a benefit for teaching someone to hate their country. If they love it, even if they see the flaws in it, then they'll want to make a difference and really change and... Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, my son uh, was in second grade last year and they were learning about, um, you know, for Martin Luther King Day. Mm. They did a whole unit on that and learned about it. And, you know, I saw some of the worksheets that they brought back and uh, people are all equal no matter what your color is. And I'm like, I like I almost was uncomfortable with him learning that so soon because I'm like, I don't think that they recognized that there was a problem. Should we even be introducing that yet? Because oh, kids right. that young, I'm like, I, he didn't even think that. Like, yeah, it's we like were second grader, like, hey, right. condoms are good for safe sex. And it's like, well, that's a true statement, right. but is it time right. to teach kids about condoms and right. maybe not second grade? Right. So I'm, I was almost like, should we even be teaching them that yet? Yeah. But you know, it does. It's like Elijah, like you were saying. It's like, well, there's a reason for teaching history, because if you don't teach history, mm -hmm. we're bound to just repeat ourselves mm -hmm. over and over. So if we're teaching people, hey, these people made these mistakes a long time ago, but our country learned from them mm. and we're better for it. Yeah. Why in the world would you want to abolish that? Yeah. I don't there's, get there's, it. There's, there's a hidden agenda behind all of this, and I, I think that's what's really interesting is is one world is it, government. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like it's it's like it's like to kind of like undermine the identity of people in our country is feeling like not Americans and want people to disassociate themselves from an American identity, mm -hmm. meaning like this goes against the entire civil rights movement of trying to unify our country away from atrocities internally to have a more perfect union, um, to then just say, hey, this is not even a, hey, let's be more honest about the past with young people. Let's be, let's look at things a little more critically or develop or advance right. as a society. This is, let's hyper-focus on the evil that was done in exchange for the good. So like, let's not say, look, Columbus, you know, is somebody who discovered these 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 islands. This is somebody, or is credited, I should say, with it. And hey, look at what he, look at where where we came from. But also, you know, in the light of that, look at the era and look at what what how not just what he did, but look at what was going on in the world. This was a time of conquest, of imperialism, of everyone from the Arabs to the Africans to Europe. This was a world global time. And look at how much look at together our country now that we're strong, what the world looks like and how we haven't had a world war in whatever you know 70, 80 years. And you go, if you could look at it like that, it's not that. It's like look at Columbus. This man hated people who were of color and he came in and destroyed them and now you live on their graves and every time you eat your applesauce you realize that every spoonful is built on the blood and the bones of dead indigenous people and you go holy I forgot your show beep. Yeah. you know it's like it's like that's not that's not helpful either yeah you know that's all I'm saying it's, like, it's not helpful to teach history that way and that's what they're trying to do they're, they're, they're going the other extreme yeah all right we've got more to come back in a minute Joe Biden's announcement of a running mate has been pushed off another week. Now they claim it's going to take place the second week of August. Previously, they said it was going to be this week that he would announce his VP pick. Now, this was uh, decided after that awkward Politico story was published where it was like, 
uh, Joe Biden decided to pick Kamala Harris on August 1st. Oops, it's like still July and we published this article. Here's a quote from Joe Biden on Kamala Harris that hasn't existed yet. Uh, they published that and then quickly retracted it. Then there was all of this talk about uh, Karen Bass uh, and that she was is a Scientologist, I guess, because she told a, a global gathering of Scientologists once that the Church of Scientology has made a huge difference uh, because their creed is a universal creed and one that speaks to all people everywhere. And so he's had, there's been some rocky, I know you guys are shocked, there has been some rocky situations going on with Joe Biden lately. Um, but now they say they're going to, uh, they're going to push it off another week. Well, political, I give him this, at least we know he's going to choose a black woman because the Democrat Party is really big on sexist discrimination and uh, racial bias and favoring people based on skin color. I really love their commitment over just decades, and in fact, over centuries, to, to absolute dogmatic racism. Like, I gotta give them credit. Like, I really do, I really do like people who are consistent. So, so, so while I, I'm not, I'm not happy that they're racist or sexist. They're consistently racist. At least you're consistently a piece right. of SHIT. So, uh, you know, at least I know what to expect and maybe they're delaying it to make sure Joe Biden's still alive, you know, by the time they announce it. So, oh. I'll give them that. Does <laughs> I don't know. I think... <laughs> I, whoever it is needs to just be comfortable with getting sniffed every day. Well, whoever know. it is should probably be comfortable with becoming president really soon, too, oh, yeah. right? I, I don't, I just, I don't want to think about it. Just already Joe makes me just go, what in the world is a, hold on, how did this happen? So, You made a bad joke in the say. car. About the uh -oh. Karen and Don't Susan? No. She I was did. just, when I was, when I was reading the article and I was like, wait, Karen and Susan are his options? Like, you, you cannot trust people with those names. If 2020 has taught us anything. So I wasn't going to say that because I'm, they didn't choose their names. Because Susans didn't. are the alternate Karens. We have a Karen and Susan in our complex. I'm and sorry to all viewers named Karen and Susan. No, yes. it's true. Well, you but know. You, you girls are crazy. You <laughs> cause drama. <laughs> well, but to be fair, I mean, Susan Rice. Uh, like, wow, what a great pick there. There's nothing, you know, controversial about that pick surrounding Why are you bringing Obama-era Obama people back? I mean, this is yeah. what's really weird about the, the Democrats also, too. I mean, they're consistently uh, taking us backwards, which I like as well, is that at least I know what's coming. It's like, let's go back to the Obama era and let's just bring people back in who had their time to do something, who didn't, didn't do, it, do it, and we'll keep it more of the same. And I think that's where you see actually the radical left um, do you know about the Rose Twitter? You know about the Democrat yes. Socialist? Yeah, yes. Rose Twitter. Yes. Um, they're all out on a campaign against Joe Biden, and they're really aggressive, it. and they're a huge, it. they're about 8%, I think, of the, of the Democrat Party, and they are genuinely on a, on a mission offensive to discredit him and to come against him because they have the same, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with some guy named Ryan Knight and some people, I'm telling them, hey, I'm on your same page. Mm -hmm. let's, let's team up against Biden. What do they do in November? Do they vote Trump or do they stay home? Oh, I, that's a good question. I, unfortunately, I don't spend enough time with Democratic Socialists to know. But, oh. but, but I will say this, is that I do know that they are continually saying that a vote for Joe Biden is the same thing as a vote for Trump. And that's what they believe. Now, I think that's not true, but they look at them as more of the same. Mm -hmm. And they look like it's not extreme enough. So I, I know that even the party is divided against Joe Biden. And so that's why they might be looking for a more extreme VP pick. Yeah, right. Because yeah, they need to, to, they need to settle He's clearly a puppet, like AOC. In. Like, yes. these people have no idea what's up. Yeah. All right, back in a minute. Yes, 
yesterday's, no, sorry, Friday's poll. We don't do polls on the weekend, Sarah. Who has done the most harm to America? 63.8% of you said Barack Obama, followed by 30% who said the Clintons. And then there were some trolls who took the poll, I guess, because 4.4% of them said Donald Trump. And uh, Joe Biden, way less, 1.1%. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, some trolls got a hold of that poll. Today's poll, do you agree with President Trump's proposal to ban TikTok? Let us know what you think. Want to know your answers. Do you agree with President Trump's proposal to ban TikTok? I th- yeah, I don't. I'm not really fussed because I think it's like that these apps keep on coming up. So it's right. not like a really big deal. Um, but I think if there is legitimate reason that China is snooping and doing all sorts of things like that, well, China needs to be punished for what they mm-hmm. did to this country. Yeah, Elijah. Yeah, I think just uh, just to stop the fat acceptance movement, oh, I think we could ban anything. I think we could stop. ban anything. And if TikTok helps with that, get that crap off my phone and my kid's phone. <laughs> this is a really great time to remind you once again, host of Blaze TV's Slightly Offensive. You can find him on YouTube. Uh, Elijah Schaefer was Slightly Offensive. And also Kez Schaefer, his lovely and beautiful wife, She is the host of Crocs On, that is with a K on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to both of them. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.